0: Helping disciple-makers ignite a movement locally and globally, this is the Disciple First Podcast. Now, here's your host, Craig Etheridge. Welcome back to the Disciple First Podcast. It's a podcast by disciple-makers and for disciple-makers. I'm Craig Etheridge, and I'm here to tell you about the exciting things that God has been doing in Zambia. Some of you may know that Disciple First sponsored our first Flashpoint conference in Lusaka, Zambia. And it was an amazing time. Hundreds of pastors and leaders from six different countries came together to be trained to lead disciple-making ministries in the local church. We were also there with friends of Disciple First, namely Glenn Underhill and Ken Adams as plenary speakers for the conference. Ken Adams, is a pastor of Crossroads Church in Noonan, Georgia. He's also the founder and president of Impact Ministries that trains pastors to make disciples and make disciples in the local church. And I wanted you to hear Ken's first talk at our Flashpoint conference in Zambia. He's speaking about the importance of loving people as a motivation for making disciples. So listen closely to the first half of Ken's message on loving people.
1: Well, uh, I want to just say that I am uh, I'm extremely uh, honored to be able to be here. Uh, we this is my very first time uh, to Zambia and to Africa, and I just want to tell you your hospitality is very, very uh, warm and very welcoming. And uh, all of our team, we really feel very much at home here. And so I want to just say thank you uh, for uh, giving us such a great welcome and such a great. Uh, experience here uh, over just a a very few short days. Also just want to say, just it is very, very humbling uh, to be here and to be able to join you and to be able to share with you uh, a little bit about what we have experienced and what God has been doing in our lives and in our world when it comes to disciple making. And so uh, today uh, I want to continue that theme and I want to share a little bit more about what it means to Uh, to make disciples the way Jesus did that. So if you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to study a a short little passage today. So go ahead and turn in your Bibles to John. Uh, Turn to John chapter 13. Uh, Just hold your place there for a minute, uh, because I'm going to get there here in a little bit. We're going to, seriously, we're just going to kind of work through this one verse here in a little bit. Uh, But before we do, let me give you just kind of a a quick introduction uh, about myself personally. Uh, I'm actually from... uh, The southern part of the United States. I'm from a a little city called Atlanta, Georgia. Have you ever heard of Atlanta, Georgia? All right, so I'm from Atlanta. We were the home of the 1996 Summer Olympics, and so uh, uh, I actually live in Atlanta, south of Atlanta. I live south of the airport in Atlanta. I've been there uh, for, uh, been in Atlanta my whole life, but I've been in this community that I'm in uh, for 28 years almost. Uh, I've been pastoring the same church. I had a chance to plant a church and pastor a church and so this coming year in March uh, I will have been there for 28 years how about that and so uh, so it's been a great experience it's been a great journey and the one thing that we've done for 28 years is we have just been very very committed to making disciples that make disciples and i I can't say that we've done it perfectly but I can tell you that we have uh, we have been very very committed to that and we have been trying to do that so for 28 years, we've been trying to do that. You're probably thinking, so you've been pastoring a church for 20, you look so young, right? Well, I started when I was five years old, okay, so, uh, no, I'm just kidding. So, uh, uh, actually, we've been, uh, uh, we've been able to see God do some incredible things. But I have to tell you this, that, uh, that even as, uh, as long as I have been pastoring and as long as I've been uh, serving in this church, I have to tell you that every time... Every time I stand up to speak before the crowd, I get nervous. Anybody else feel that way? Just the two of us, right? That's it. Anybody else get nervous when you stand up? Yeah, I mean, I do. And especially when I'm in a place that I'm not familiar with, when I'm with with people. I mean, I'm I'm sweating right now. I'm so nervous, right? In fact, I feel, let me tell you how I feel, okay? I feel like this guy who, uh, who bought his mother a very, very rare parrot for her birthday. And so he bought this very, very, very rare, very exotic, very valuable parrot for his mother's birthday. In fact, you won't believe this, is that this guy, he spent $500 on this parrot. He had to fly this parrot 5,000 miles to get to his mother's house for her birthday. Now, this is not just any parrot. This parrot speaks five different languages. Now, how many of you would agree this is some bird? Anybody agree with that? I mean, would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, this is some bird, right? So he, so he buys this bird, $500, flies it 5,000 miles, speaks five different languages. So he sends it to his mother for her birthday. So the next day, he calls her up. He said, "Mom, I wish you happy birthday." He said, "How did you like the parrot?" She said, "Son, it was delicious. <laughs> delicious." He said, "Mom, you got to be kidding me." She said, "No, it was delicious. I, I ate every bit of it." He said, "Mom, there's no way you ate that parrot." He said, "You don't understand. That parrot cost me five hundred dollars." I had to fly it in over 5,000 miles. And mom, it spoke five different languages. She said, well, then Sonny should have said something. (laughs) Oh, well. So, so my task today is to say something. So you don't eat me. (laughs) (laughs) My task today is to say something. And here's what we want to say, is that we want to say that there are some things in our lives that are evidence that we are disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen? You say, well, what are those things? Well, 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 well Glenn started it off yesterday afternoon, and here's what he said. He said that, that the way that we love God is evidence that we are disciples of Jesus Christ. It is proof, isn't it? And today, what I want to talk to you about is this, is the way that we treat each other and the way that we love each other, it is evidence, isn't it? You see, here's what I can tell you, is that anybody can talk all day long, anybody can say that they're a disciple all day long, Well, let me tell you something, is that there is proof. It doesn't, you, you know, it doesn't matter if you say you're a disciple, if you, don't, if you don't treat each other the way Jesus wants us to treat each other, then you can say you're a disciple all day long, but there is no proof of that. So there is evidence by the way that we love God. There is proof, there is evidence by the way that we treat each other. And then Craig is going to talk this afternoon about the fact that there is proof by the way that we love the world, by the way that we love the lost. Again, here's what this is, is that it is evidence that we really are disciples. So it's not enough to just call yourself a disciple. You've got to live as a disciple. And so that is what I want to talk about today. I've I, I got to say something, right? And so I want to say something to you today that God has already said. In fact, the truth is, is that this isn't something that we came up with. This isn't something that we decided would make a nice conference. This is something that God's Word is incredibly clear on. Because the truth is, is that you do not need to hear my opinion, Glenn's opinion, or Craig's opinion. You don't need to hear some man's opinion. What you need to hear is you need to hear the truth of God. Amen? You see, here's what we have in too many churches and too many places, is that we just have a lot of people standing up, Saying what they want to say and sticking a little bit of scripture to it. Well, That's not what we need. What we need is that we need to have somebody stand up and say, Thus saith the Lord, right? That's what we need to hear. And so here's what I want to show you today. Just like Glenn did yesterday, like Craig's going to do this afternoon, I want to show you what God says about what it means to be a disciple. So if you have your Bibles, John chapter 13, verse 35. Listen to this verse. This is a simple verse. It's only 18 words. But these 18 words are 18 of the most, some of the most powerful words in all of the New Testament. Because they clearly tell us what it means to be a disciple. You can't miss this. Listen to this. Jesus said these words. By this, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. And then he tells us what this is. If you have, say it with me, what? Love for one another. Isn't that, would you agree that's an awesome statement? That's amazing, isn't it? You see, here's what Jesus is saying, is that we will know, all all men will know there is evidence, there is proof, not because of what you say, but because of how you live. (laughs) Not just because of your words, but because of your deeds. There is proof, there is evidence that you really, really are a disciple by the way that you treat each other. Now here's what I want us to do. Because of what he said, we we need to take time out right now. And so we need to ask ourselves a question. Before we look at any of these principles, before we walk through any of the scripture, here's what we need to do. We need to stop right now and we need to ask ourselves this question. If somebody were to look at your life today, and somebody were to look at the way you treat other people in your life, by the way you treat your spouse, by the way you treat your family, by the way you treat other brothers and sisters in Christ, would the people in the world around you that are not Christ followers and they are not believers, would they look at your life And would they be able to say, by the way that you treat other people in your life, you must be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Now, what we just read, they should, shouldn't they? But can I just be the first one to say? There's a lot of times in my life that the way that I... If somebody were looking at the way I treat the people that are closest to me, the other Christians in my life, it might not be very obvious (laughs) But can I just tell you something? I don't want to stay that way. In fact, here's what I want to do. Is that I want to continue to grow and I want to become so much more like Christ. Amen? Don't you want to do that? You see, I want to become so much more like Christ that it is so obvious when somebody puts my life under the magnifying glass and somebody looks at my life and says, you know what, I think there's something different about you, and I don't know what it is, but it must have something to do with Jesus. (laughs) There must be something about what, there must be something supernatural going on in your life that causes me to treat people the way I do. So what I want us to do today is I want us to just take a look at this verse, and I want us to see, I want to show you some principles. They're very simple. It's not hard. It's not complicated. It's not hard. You may have a hard time understanding this accent, but it's not hard to understand God's Word. And so I want to share with you a couple of principles. We'll put them up on the screen. that, that just, They just come right off of the page. They come, they come right out of the text and the words that Jesus himself said 2,000 years ago. So if you have something to write on, write this down. Here, here, here's the first principle. The first principle that I want us to see is this is that a mark of being a disciple is how we treat one another. That's very obvious, isn't it? Because go back to the verse and look at what Jesus said. The very first phrase, here's what he said. By this, all people will what? Know. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. So in other words, what he's saying is this. Is that when other people look at us, it ought to be a sign of who is, of who is living inside of us. Are you with me? Here, here's what I'm saying. Listen to me. What, what this verse is telling us is that what they see, how, how we live on the outside, ought to be an evidence of who is in control on the inside. Are y'all with me? How we act on the outside ought to be an evidence of who is in control on the inside. Jesus said this. He said, by this, all men will know. By by how we love one another, by how we treat one another. In other words, what's going on on the inside is going to be made known on the outside. You see, what Jesus is clearly trying to say here is this. Is it the mark... The sign, the symbol, the indicator of somebody that has been trained or taught. Somebody that is is considered a mathite, a disciple. The symbol of that, the mark of that, of somebody that has been trained is simply the way we treat one another. You see, here's what you get to understand. It's not how much you know. It's not how much you do. It's how you love that is the sign that you're really a disciple and a follower of Jesus Christ. But you know what happens is that we get it all backwards, don't we? You see, what we do is that we somehow, some way, we we tend to think that the sign. You know, I, I mean, we do this all the time. We we send, tend to think that that the mark of a disciple, the sign of a disciple, is how you worship, and and so we look at somebody. that, raises their hands and makes all kinds of noise and and we look at somebody that's very expressive in their worship and we say well then they must really be a disciple but you know what you can worship your socks off if you walk outside and you talk about people and you don't love people that are standing there worshiping then guess what you're not really a disciple are you you know what We, we sometimes we think well if, if somebody can quote a whole bunch of verses and if somebody can, can teach God's word and if somebody understands, and we would say, oh, if you know that much, then you must be a disciple, right? Well, can I tell you something? If, if you can quote every verse in the Bible and, and if you have all this stuff up here but you don't have anything in here, guess what? You're just, you're just talking talk, aren't you? You're not really a disciple. Being a disciple is not about what you do. It's not about what you know. It's about, it's about how you love. It's about how we treat one another. Now, now, knowing God's word is important, and worshiping God is important. But listen to me. How you treat one another, Jesus said, I didn't say it, is a sign. It's a mark that you really are his disciple. You know what? Even our evangelism. You know what? You You can witness to people like crazy. You can... You can share Christ. Now listen to me. If you you are an evangelism machine, but you go out and you treat people the wrong way, and you talk about people the wrong way, and you you don't treat people the way Jesus treated people, then guess what? Then you're just talking about being a disciple. You're not truly a disciple. Are you all with me? Jesus made this very clear, right? They will know you are my disciples by how? By how you treat one another, how you love one another. So, so what we need to understand is this. Is it the mark of being a disciple is not just what we do. It's not just what we know. It's not just what we say. But it's how we love. We have totally missed the mark of what it means to be a disciple. If we do all of these other things... But we miss one thing, and that is treating one another with love. You see, here's why this is so important. Because it's how we love one another that actually distinguishes us from everybody else in the world that does not know Jesus Christ. Isn't that right? You see, you think of it like this. If, if, uh, if you go back to 1 Corinthians... 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We all know that passage, right? What do we call that passage? That's That's the love chapter, isn't it? You know what it says in the very first part of that? Paul says it like this. He said, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I have not what? Love, I am nothing more than what? A clanging cymbal. You know what he's saying? You're just a lot of noise, aren't you? You see, you can, you, can, you can speak, you can say all the right things, you can have all make all the noise. I mean, look, you can talk all the talk, but if, if it isn't changing the way you treat other people, then here's what I'm telling you, you're just a lot of noise. So this is important, man. It is so important that we understand that this is the mark of being a disciple. In fact, I, I, I said this in my breakout last yesterday, but it's so true, is this is important, that this is the very reason why Jesus Christ said 2,000 years ago, the reason that our marching orders were to go make disciples is because this is the very thing that our world needs more than anything else. We, how, how many of you would agree That this world would be a very different place if every single person on the planet were loving like Jesus loved us. Wouldn't that change things? You see, here's what we want. We want government to change things. You know what we want? We want uh, want the economy to change things. we We want medicine to change things. No, 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 no you know the the change that we need in this cut co- in this world in this globe we don't need a change on the outside we don't need a change in our circumstances we don't need a change we don't need a change on the outside we need a change on the inside what we need is a spiritual change that's called revival that's what we need we need a change on the inside that will change how we do things on the outside the reason listen to me the reason, 2,000 years ago, that Jesus said, "Go make disciples," is because here's what happens: is that when you got a whole he, he said, "Make disciples very clear, He said, "Make disciples of all what? Nations." Now why did he say that? Because when you got every person, every person, in every nation, in every generation, learning how to love the way Jesus loved, guess what you have. You've got heaven on earth. I heard a great story one time. Let me share this with you. I heard a great story about this guy who who had a dream. And and, and he had a dream and during the dream, he had an angel come to him in his dream. And it didn't really happen, but it was just in his dream. And and he had an angel that came to him in his dream. And and, and an angel, the the first thing he did is he took him to hell in his dream. And, and when he got to hell, he, he, he saw some, a, a very interesting sight. He, he saw this group of people that were all seated around a big, huge bowl of stew. Big, huge bowl of stew. And everybody had a wooden spoon to eat with. But the problem was, is that the spoons were so long that you couldn't, you couldn't scoop it out and you couldn't put it in your mouth. you understand what I'm saying? The spoons were too long. And so there were all these people seated seated around this bowl of stew and they were all starving to death. They were all hungry. They were all famished. They were all starving. It was miserable. It was hell. And then the angel took him to heaven. And when he took him to heaven, guess what he saw? A big bowl of stew with people sitting all around this bowl of stew. And everybody had wooden spoons. That were too long to scoop the soup up and to, the stew up and to put it in their mouth. You understand? it's too long. The spoons were way big, but there was a very different feeling because everybody was full and everybody was nourished and everybody was satisfied and everybody was happy. And so the man asked the angel. He said, "I don't understand." He said, "He said that what I saw in hell and what I saw in, they looked like the exact same thing." He said, "What in the world was the difference?" And he said, the difference is in heaven, they've learned how to feed each other. (laughs) They learned how to feed each other. You see, Jesus said how we treat each other is how the world will know that we are what? His disciples. That's the difference. It's really the difference. You see, here's what I can tell you. Listen to this. When the family of God cannot get along with each other, cannot love each other the way Christ loved us, how would anybody in the world want to be a part of that family? I mean, let's think about it. If you you had two families that you could choose to be a part of, and one family was a family of people that, that loved each other despite their differences, loved each other despite their problems, cared for each other despite... Their, their issues and their hangups. And, and then you had another family over here that all fighting each other, arguing with each other. All tense, all stressed out and everything. Which one of those families would you choose to be a part of? This one over here, right? So here's what we have. Is if we have a world full of people that are lost, that are sheep without a shepherd That are looking for a family to belong to. And so how we treat each other is going to be one of the biggest ways they choose which family they're going to want to be a part of. You know, one of the saddest things that has ever happened in my life personally. Is that the church that I grew up in. The church that my father was a a charter, a founding member of. The church that I got saved in. The church that I got baptized in. The church that I learned all of my Bible stories in. When I, when I was a teenager, the pastor and the associate pastor had had a parting of ways. They had an argument. And they couldn't get past. And so I remember very vividly sitting in that church on a Wednesday night when they had a, a, a business meeting in this church where basically the The senior pastor, the the lead pastor, and the assistant pastors, all of their argument and all of their problems were all just, just put out in front of the whole congregation. It was awful. It was miserable. Two men of God could not get along. Now, who wants to be a part of a family of God where the leaders of God's family can't even get past their differences and work out their problems? And you know what? This is, this is sad. Because that was, uh, that was 30-something, that was probably 40-something years ago. And today, that local church, that local fellowship does not even exist. Does not even exist. So, so when Jesus said, by this all people will know that you're my disciples, I, I, I've got proof in my own life Of a church where that didn't happen. And that local body of believers does not even exist on the planet today. Because they could not love each other the way Jesus wanted them to love. Well that brings us to the second principle that I want you to see. This is is very, very important. Listen to this. The first principle is that the mark of being a disciple is how we treat each other. But the second principle in this passage is this is that the model for how we treat each other began with Jesus himself. You see, Jesus said, by this all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Now how could he say that? Because he had given them the pattern for how to do it. You see, here's what I can tell you. Is that Jesus will never ask you to do something where he doesn't provide the means for how to do it. (laughs) You see, here's what he would never do. He would never say to you, I-, I want you to love the way I love without showing you how to do it. I mean, he- he's not that kind of God. He- he's the kind of God that, that if he asks you to do something, he's going to teach you how to do it. He's going to show you how to do it. So one of the most incredible things that we have is that we have we have the living flesh and blood Example of what it means to love in Jesus Christ. We have the model. We can can see it. We can hear it. We can listen to it. We can watch it. Jesus doesn't expect us to figure it out on our own. Jesus doesn't expect us to find it from within. You see, we live in a world today that it's all about about figuring out yourself. It's all about self-help. You know, the, the world tells us that we need, to, we need to listen to this psychologist or this counselor or this in order to find out how to love one another. No, 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 no. You don't, you don't find the power. You don't find the power to love others the way Jesus did in your own strength. Not in your own wisdom. Not in your own power. Not in your own ability. You find it where? In Him. In Him. That's why we need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Because here's what happens. Because when you come into this world, you do not naturally love one another. In fact, when you come into this world, here's what you do. You naturally attack one another. You say, how do you know that? Anybody got any kids? Isn't that right? Can I tell you, something? I got three I got three rascals. I got three little little knuckleheads. And you know what? I've never, I have never since my kids, my kids are grown. They're like in their 20s. I have never, ever had to teach my kids how to be bad. They were born with it. I never told them, I never once said, no, you need to steal that. You need to grab that. You need to take that. You know what? These are the words. you know what the first words they learned were? Not daddy. <laughs> The first words they're learning were me, my, mine. That's what they learn. That, is that where your kids are? My kids, you know what? I have spent a whole bunch of money. I've spent a whole bunch of time. I've spent a whole bunch of energy trying to teach them not to be bad, trying to teach them how to be good. So here's what that means. Is that you don't come into this world naturally loving one another. You come into this world naturally what? Attacking one another. Now, why is that? I will tell you why. The reason that we come in this world is because our biggest problem in our lives and in our world is one word it is the word self. You see, here's what happens when you put self first, then you will put others last. And you won't love. So the reason that Jesus is our model is because Jesus did the exact opposite of that. Jesus put who first? You first. He is the model of what it means to love one another. I mean, think about this. this we are so, how, how many of you know that we are so consumed with self? Isn't that right? We really are. In fact, I, I'll show you this. If I had a camera... And I took a picture right here. This is a good looking bunch of guys right here. You guys are, huh? You should smile. Smile a little bit. Just smile a little bit. Just smile a little bit. Give me a smile, man. There you go. There you go. So this is a good-looking bunch right here. I mean, this guy's been smiling since he got here, man. You happy, aren't you, man? Yeah. So if I took a pic we could do this. I could take a digital camera and I could take a picture and I could shoot it up on that screen right there, right? Now, if I took a picture of this group right here and I put it on the screen. Who is the first person you'd look at? You. And you know what? Is if everybody in the picture looked great, but he looked bad, what would you say? That's a bad picture, man. But you know what? If everybody else looked horrible, but you looked good, guess what you'd say? That's a great picture, man. You see, why does our pro- our problem is what we are consumed with what self. We don't put self last. We put self what? First. You see, here's what we got to have. We, if we're going to be the kind of disciples that God wants us to be, if, we're gonna, if people are going to know that we're his disciples by the way we love one another, what's got to happen is, is that we've got to die to self. That song that y'all sung a little while ago is a perfect example of that. i got to be emptied. i gotta get, I got to die to self. i got to surrender. So that I can love like Jesus wants me to love. You see, here's what happens. Is that until we are transformed by the person of Jesus Christ, we will still do what we naturally do. We won't do what we are supernaturally supposed to do. You see, think of it like this. I talked about this in the little breakout yesterday, but some of you weren't in there this is interesting, when, when Jesus left and the disciples were sharing and, and when they were living in community and they were loving people, they were, there was something different about them. Here's what happened, is that they brought them in before the Jewish leaders. In Acts chapter 4 verse 13, here's what they said. They looked at these men and they said, you guys are, you guys are unschooled men. Nobody's, you, you don't know anything, you guys are ordinary men, you're not special men. But here's what they said. You're unschooled, ordinary men, but there's something different about you. What was it? They had been with Jesus. You see, they'd been with the model. They'd been with the pattern. Listen to me. When you spend spend a lot of time with somebody, guess what happens? You become more like them. You know this is true, right? Do you, have, do you, do you, can you think of anybody? Do you know anybody that's been married for a very, very long time? Can, anybody? Do you know anybody that's been married for a long time? I mean a long time. I mean like 50 years, 60 years. You know anybody like that? Can I tell you what's crazy? Is that when people have been married for 50 or 60 years, they start to look like each other. Isn't that right? It's Crazy. You've been with somebody that long, you start to look like that person. So here's what ought to happen. Is we ought to have, if you've been walking with Jesus for 20 or 30 or 40 years, you ought to look more like him than you look like you used to look. You ought to look more like him than you look like the world. And the world ought to say, because you look different, I want what you got. It's true. It's true. You see we got the model. We got the perfect model. We got the example right here with us. You know I was uh, years ago, I was a teacher before I became a preacher, a pastor. And I had to go to school. I went to the university to learn how to teach. And I heard a teacher say this, and it's a powerful statement, it's a simple statement. It's maybe you don't use it here in your culture, but we use it in the United States. And somebody said the most important The most important educational principle in the entire world is this one principle. It goes like this. More is caught than taught. Have you ever heard that? More is caught. Say it with me. More is what? Caught than taught. Here's what that means. Is it when you spend time with somebody, you become what they are. (laughs) Because more is caught than what? Taught. They do what you do, not what you say. Why did Jesus choose to spend three years with a group of unschooled ordinary men? Because over three years, they would become like Him. More is what? Caught than taught.
0: You've been listening to Ken Adams speaking at our Flashpoint conference in Lusaka, Zambia. If you'd like to know more about how to make disciples and make disciples in the local church, go to DiscipleFirst.com. DiscipleFirst.com is your one-stop shop for disciple-making resources. Also, you can pick up my new book called Bold Moves, the seven moves you must make to make disciples and make disciples in the local church. You can get to that book through our website, DiscipleFirst.com, and also on iTunes and Amazon. And until then, go make disciples.